0: God, it's already 2023. I cannot believe it. Trust me, I cannot. I spent New Year's watching a movie, and you know what? It was actually a pretty good movie. Honestly, enjoyed my New Year's, and I hope you guys did the same. So, New Year, New Me, and all that good stuff. You know how it is. Always looking for the newest. Anyway, I got a very, very good episode for you guys today as Welcome Back, because while movies and TV shows took a small little break, especially with the trailers comic books did not I swear they basically doubled down and I mean that could be a good thing a bad thing or one of those things where we you are just looking and asking why <laughs> anyway we're gonna go ahead and get started with of course comic books I think this is gonna be my longest comic book section throughout the history of Fwent chat with Johnny Flint although that may change with next year but here we go we have Marvel so We are starting with Miss Marvel Dark Web issue number one. Now, I was very hesitant to read this because I thought it was going to be bad. Wasn't really looking forward to anything from this, but I will be a big enough person to admit when I was wrong and this comic was actually enjoyable. Anyway, it follows uh, Kamala before getting sent to Limbo and talks about why she joined Oscorp to basically do an internship. She talks about how she's trying to figure out what she wants to do and says to her friends who do not think it's a good idea that if working for Oscorp is a mistake, then it's hers to make. Now, I will say this, the comic does switch from this to the lab while she and another intern are talking. He asks her if she both get the internship because they were both brown and begins to ask her out, which she doesn't really to respond. He asks if it's basically because she is Muslim and he is Hindu. And I don't know if it's the writing or just the stuff, but this guy really likes to play the race and religion card. And mind you, within the same, like, maybe five minutes in comic times, meanwhile, the effects of the dark web is showing off as city, as many things become demonized, including Kamala's mosque where her family resides. The lab equipment begins to go haywire and comes to life and attack everybody. Kamala begins to use her powers to destroy and protect her fellow intern. He gets knocked out and doesn't see Kamala use her powers. She gets him out of the way and once she destroys the equipment, she leads him out. And and this is, mind you, as Miss Marvel. He begins to ask, oh my god, what happened to Kamala? She says that, oh, I helped her get out and all that stuff and she basically tells him advice for his love life and she sees Ben who is of course Chasm and confronts him which leads her being sent to limbo the next issue will basically explore how she does in limbo and stuff like that with the recent comics coming up she'll probably run into Peter but again we'll get into that in a little bit Like I was saying, this was a fun comic. I like that it didn't take itself too seriously. I kind of feel her costume is kind of idiotic in the sense because it's like, hey, we're the only two brown people in the area. Oh, look, the same person who was just there is now gone. And Ms. Marvel showed up. She's basically giving the same type of relationship advice. I, they could have done it a lot better, honestly. And the dude using, what, the race card and the religious card in one go? I, mm, yeah, that just uh, does seem like trouble. Anyway, I am looking forward to seeing what issue two brings. And we're going to be moving on to Alien, issue number four. I know many of you were looking excited for this one. And it was actually pretty interesting. So the synthetics are basically trapped with the queen as we last left them and are trying to escape. One of them tries to take on the queen by herself, but is quickly killed. The rest of the synthetics escape, and split upon realizing that the humans are going after their shuttle to try to escape the planet. The husband of the synthetic that died pulls out his eyes because he realizes that he cannot grieve for her, like others can, and basically claims that it's a basic instinct that he will never be able to mimic. Meanwhile, the girl that was stung by the bug in the previous issue begins to get sicker and sicker when the humans board the ship they begin to try to fly the sick girl transforms into a hybrid of the alien keeping some human features but hands and feet like aliens and its tongue able to shoot out like steel and strong and it basically looks like a whip like wow it looks like a whip anyway they end up crashing the ship in the synthetic see that the hybrid see uh basically looks like one of the girls previously One of the synthetics admits to allowing the bug to sting her, and the others get mad. The aliens take the hybrid, and they go back to the base, where the children are. The synthetics are worried because that is where the beacon is, and if they cannot get to it, they will be trapped on the planet forever. The hybrid gets into the base because they open the door, since the hybrid still has the tracker, showing that it's one of them when they don't realize it's not. The hybrid attacks, and the aliens begin to kill. Now, like I said before, this issue was very interesting, because it kind of gives us a new transformation and more to the lore, especially with these bugs that are able to transform. And the fact that the aliens didn't kill the hybrid is very, very interesting in itself. So, who knows, maybe we'll get more. I'm excited to see what issue 5 has to bring, especially with the finale, and who gets to live, and who gets to die. Anyway, uh, we're going to go into back to Marvel. Oh, actually, we never left Marvel since Marvel owns Alien. But back to the dark web. X-Men issue number two. And the Goblin Queen has both Scott and Alex detained to keep Scott from opening up his eyes. And I got to give him credit. This was clever. She surrounds him with puppies just floating around him. And they're so adorable. Anyway, if he opens his eyes, he will kill them and he has Alex and she, not he, she has Alex paralyzed, so he can't move. They begin to basically try to convince Madeline that this is wrong. Alex tries to reason with her since they have a history together. Meanwhile, Forge is helping New Yorkers, getting them to safety. Jean and Magic are in a mind world where they're children and don't remember who they are. Madeline, the Goblin Queen, leaves Scott and Alex as she knows that her spell is ready and enters the mind world. Alex and Scott have a brotherly moment and bond. Scott tries to reach out to Jean mentally. A big Mr. Sinister, which isn't explained at all, seems to be operating in the mind world, as well as he guides them down the big mansion that they see. They see Madeline who tries to trick them, but Scott's message gets to Jean and she snaps out of it, transforming back to her grown older self, and begins to battle Madeline. Now, that's where the comic ends, and I gotta say, this was very interesting. Especially the dynamic between former brothers and lovers. And one thing that was very interesting is I'm wondering what Sinister has to do with everything. Because he hasn't actually appeared in this. And as you guys remember from my previous X-Men issue, he basically just started killing Hope and a bunch of the other X-Men. Whether or not this takes place in the same time frame, who knows? Because some of the characters in this one don't appear in, of course, the last X-Men issue that I read. So... I don't know if Sinister is helping Madeline, or this all all leading to the sins of Sinister. So, it should be interesting to see, and I wonder how they will expand with the next issue. Now, uh, here's another uh, Dark Web issue, one that I'm not too excited for, and that is Spider-Man issue number 16. Yay, more Zeb Wells. Anyway, Peter and Chasm have a fight where Peter is trying to figure out what is going on with Ben. Ben talks about the last time they met, and Peter realizes that his memory is a bit fuzzy. Peter seems to have the upper hand, but it is revealed that Ben's spider sense can manifest into objects. I'll give it credit, it's creative. We'll see how Zeb Wells messes that one up. And gets the upper hand. Ben shows Peter that Jameson and Robbie are trapped in limbo. Peter takes his mask off, for whatever the reason is, and says to let them go. Ben tells Peter that the only way to save them is to go to Limbo, which Peter says he will do. A tentacle grabs him and drags him into Limbo, where it looks like he's now working for a newspaper in Limbo. And, yeah, okay, this seems a little underwhelming. I just... Okay, I'll give this. The highlight was Ben's new power, we'll just get that out of the way. That was actually pretty creative. Especially since his mind is warped. Like, I, maybe it was like the chemicals he fell into that warped his powers or whatever. But, I mean, it's creative. It's different. His spider sense turning into actually weapons. And now we know what the heck all that smoke is. But, honestly, I expected more from this comic and wondering why Peter would take off his mask. I'm wondering why didn't he use his goblin bombs? I mean, those things are OP and would be like, oh, throw them. Oh, I don't want to kill him. Let's use his frickin' spider bombs to de- uh, incapacitate someone for a little bit. But, Zeb uh, Wells, what are we going to do? Anyway, that's it for the dark web, or anything for the dark web. Let's move on to Planet Hulk World Breaker issue number two. Amadeus Cho is being affected by the gamma inhibitors. Tala, his granddaughter, gets in front of Cho, blocking the inhibitors, allowing him to transform again and get them to safety. Once to safety, Cho says he needs to find Banner, and he knows where to go. The priestess, the main villain of this series so far, sees them but lets them go, stating that if they go after him, Cho will have a backup. While traveling, Cho says it's been a while since they had seen each other last, stating that the last time him and the Hulk and She-Hulk were together... They have basically destroyed an army. They see a creature being chased by people. And they light this creature on fire. Before Tala can react. Cho holds her back. As she sees the creature. Which kind of looks like a cat. Turn into a Hulkish version of itself. And destroys them. Cho says he created these creatures. And they follow it to Panner. Tala sees a picture of She-Hulk. And asks what happened to her. Cho says that she came to the planet. And led peace talks but isn't around and is preoccupied at the moment. Banner comes in and after they begin to talk and introduce themselves, Banner doesn't want to help because of what the Hulk can do. He actually hasn't let the Hulk out in a little bit. Tala says she's going to ask She-Hulk and Banner gets mad, turning into the Hulk, warning her not to do it. She tells Cho to tell her where She-Hulk is, and the comic cuts to a floating city that they passed earlier, saying that Cho wants an audience with She-Hulk, it's revealed that she is somehow powering the city, but can never wake up or the city will fall. Now, this was actually pretty interesting. The whole dynamic and stuff like that kind of building up. Like, what happened with Hulk? What happened with the planet? And why is She-Hulk kind of charging the planet? Very interesting. And all of that interest follows down as well in continuing with issue number three. They attempt to go to the floating city, but are, are attacked. They are saved by Korg, who apparently can live thousands of years, and are taken to the city. They meet with Jen, who C is hooked up to the city. Tala tells Jen about what's going on with the kids, and Jen agrees to help. The mayor of the city pleads with Jen to stay, but she says they should have helped the people down below, and she would be back. You know, I was expecting some twist, not just some straightforward stuff, but here we go. They get to the city, or not the city, the prison, they rescue the kids, but see that it was a trap for Cho to lead the Hulk to them to get drained, as She-Hulk is being attached to a gamma inhibitor draining her of her gamma radiation. The priestess reveals that she was a part of a shadow clan that was saved by the Hulks hundreds of years before, and says she saw what they could do and swore to kill them, because unlike the enemies that they were end up killing, These were not made of flesh and bones and could be easily killed. Now, I gotta say, this series is becoming more and more anticlimactic, especially with this recent issue. And apparently her goal is to wake at a volcano, to get the Hulk mad, to bring the World Breaker or whatever. I, yeah, yeah, this, it had promise, this series, and maybe a good twist and turn they could have pulled, but yeah. We'll see what issue 4 has and see if it gets better. Anyway, that's it for Marvel. We're going to jump right into DC and talk about DC's Tour of the Undead Gods, issue number 5. And wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I wow. DC, Tom Taylor, you have put your best foot forward with this issue because it is amazing. Absolutely crazy. And in this issue, Superman and John are able to calm down and I... I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this dude's name, Mr. Mixapitlix. I think I got that down right. Anyway, and Ares down. They mention that they're going to cure the people and if the Green Lanterns stand in their way, they will deal with them too. It is revealed that Erobos is behind this and the Guardians begin to worry, saying that all Lanterns need to protect the power battery. Superman asks for them to pull up where Darkseid is and they show that they are on Kilowog's planet. Superman joins them, and so does Mr. Penelix, to basically save Kilowog's planet. Kilowog comes, and Jon Stewart, and I want to say Hal Jordan 2, basically come along to try to help. No, not Jon Stewart. Guy Gardner. It was Guy Gardner. Hal Stewart is dead. I forgot about that. Anyway, uh, when they're there, uh, Superman comes in, sees Darkseid, uh, begins to attack him, but ends up getting double-teamed by Supergirl who he does not know in this universe. Mr. Mis- uh, Mixapilix goes to Darkseid and thinks about what to turn him into. But before that could happen, Darkseid shows him a corrupted mother pox, which exposes him to the virus. Now, if you don't know who Mr. Mixapilix is, he is an imp from the fifth dimension whose reality warping powers is beyond anything anyone could do. Basically, if he was to turn into a villain, it would not be a it wouldn't be a good thing, because he's basically like Trigon, but with a sense of humor, and it's really, really bad to see what he could do. Anyway, now that the virus is now in control of Mixapilix, uh, he basically begins to attack everybody. Surprisingly enough, he doesn't turn any of them into zombies instantly. But anyway, while he's attacking, basically John and Killawall get caught between his hands Kilowog tells john that they never should have come but john says that he would never had abandoned a friend and while john is saying the green lantern oath they get crushed to death oh god I was oh i wonder at that i was like no john stewart is my favorite green lantern of all time and seeing him and Kilowog go out like that mm. i love tom taylor but his choosing of who lives and who dies is frustrating at times. It really is. <laughs> anyway, um, Mr. Mixapillix flies to Oa and destroys the power battery, leaving the Green Lanterns helpless. And they begin to basically suffocate because all of these guys are in space. Yeah, that was like, wow. All the Guardians tried to attack and basically got confuddled. Um, so meanwhile, while this is happening, a group of people that consist of Spectre, a couple of Guardians, and a few people I think I know, I think one of them is like Dead Man's baby mama or something like that. Anyway, they're talking about what they can do, and the only thing they can do is just move on to the next universe, but Spectre says, no, we're not doing that, and joins the fight and restores the power battery. And he gets out this sword and basically we're looking at a cosmic fight. Now like I said this issue is crazy and I'm wondering how crazier the next issue is. Especially with what Superman meeting Supergirl for the first time and she's zombified. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen when they give her the cure. And we got to be careful because Supergirl is a Kryptonian. Which means he can infect Superman again. That's the crazy part. And... With Tom Taylor going left to right, who knows how this is going to go. And I'm really curious to see how everything will be affected. Now, I'm wondering what's going on with Lobo, because we haven't seen him in a little bit. The cover had him on there, and I expected an appearance, or at least something, but nothing yet, which is interesting. And I love how Tom Taylor loves to use Mr. 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 McApillic's for stuff and as another cosmic fight this time he's facing the specter before he was facing trigon in the injustice series like i said i'm very curious and wonder what's gonna happen next very good issue would definitely recommend it and anyway we're moving into dark crisis issue number seven yay (sighs) we had such a great issue before anyway the darkness has found its way to nightwing and he's fighting it off. Black Adam and the other heroes are currently fighting Slade, who is powered by the Darkness. Damien comes in with the Multiverse Justice League. And with that, the Flashes uses the Light and the Speed Force to get rid and depower the Darkness. Black Adam, who has powered everyone with his power, fights a depowered Slade and is losing. Nightwing overcomes the Darkness and attacks Slade. Rose, his daughter, enters the fray and convinces Slade to lay down his hand. He does and later is captured by Project X. Everything begins to turn back to normal. The heroes of the multiverse return. Batman tells Nightwing he is the future of the Justice League. And in an epilogue, it's shown that Amanda Waller is working for the light. And if you're not familiar with the light, they basically copied and pasted Injustice. No, not Injustice. Wrong series. Uh, Young Justice. Young Justice. That's the one. Anyway, she says that she has a new group that consists of a version of Superman, Batman, Peacemaker, and a female Peacemaker called Peace Wrecker. And in this epilogue, it shows that all the heroes are captured, all the heroes are put behind bars, and it... uh, I honestly don't care anymore. And this apparently doesn't look... I honestly... This doesn't look good from the get-go. DC is basically jumping from one event to the next. And I'm questioning how the hell Waller's going to pull this off. I mean, I, I, how? Okay, a version of Superman, a version of Batman. Why don't we throw in other heroes? Heck, Mr. Terrific. Like, how the heck is she pulling this off? Like, seriously. Like, you have all these worlds strongest or the smartest man alive. And apparently she's going after villains too. And it's like, how? How is she going to do this? And I'm, I'm calling it right now, I'm guessing Peace Wrecker is going to be Gotham Girl. Because whenever they need someone to take out the Justice League in some type of event, it's Gotham Girl. That's the thing we've been seeing these past couple of years. You need someone to fight the Justice League and take them out easily? Gotham Girl. You want someone to make sure that no hero goes into Gotham while Bane is taking over? Gotham Girl. Exactly what I'm predicting now. It's lazy. We're tired of it. Let's move on. And besides, it's not even like a small event. I wouldn't understand that. It's just like another, oh, it's the whole affecting all the heroes and stuff like that. At least Dark Web affects like a small percentage in New York. That's the thing. They need to do events that affect one place and one place only. Not to mention, they're making all these new people or someone one-shot the Justice League. And it's like, are we even impressed anymore? Are we really? DC just needs new writers and... A game plan at this point because god their comics are just like their movies it's just most of the time unbat. it's just bad i mean besides of course injustice and tom taylor's work with deceased which is a masterpiece yeah just just mm, they need to, they need to figure out what they have to do with their canon stuff anyway moving on batman vs. robin issue number four batman is exploring the caves and finds the people that were drained by damien and the demon He runs into Damien and they begin to fight. Damien is winning because Batman is severely weakened and both the demon and the soul watch. The demon begins to walk towards the helmet of fate which has been absorbing so many different magical powers that it's basically about to implode. Batman reveals that Damien has caught him through his second walkthrough of the caves. And Talia kicks the helmet to Batman who undoes the mind control and sends almost everybody home. Yay. The pig and Black Alice stay behind. Batman begins to fight the demon and the soul is double teamed by Talia and Damian who win and see the soul fall to her supposed death. The demon gets at the upper hand and destroys the helmet of fate. He is then stabbed by Damian who is about to be killed when Batman jumps in in front of him and dies. Before the demon can do anything, the demon's son comes into play and attacks his father. Black Alice and the pig come in and Black Alice uses her powers to drain the Lazarus pit from the demon and pour it into Batman, reviving him. The pig says he's barely alive, but apparently barely alive for Batman is being able to run a huge explosion. The demon escapes and the volcano begins to erupt and everybody gets out. Now, I gotta say, this issue seems really rushed, and I found out why. Apparently, another comic book series called Lazarus Events, uh, basically a team where... They have to undo the effects of what happened with the explosion and all that stuff because apparently the Lazarus has formed clouds and is raining and I don't know anymore, man. I really don't. It's just like, why are they issuing another series and not like closing this one up seriously? And not to mention after this series is done, we're going to get issue number five of this comic book series. But it's like, why? Why? Why are they doing this? Like, seriously, it's not fun anymore. They need to move on. (sighs) It's DC all over again. Anyway, that's it for DC Comics, and that's it for the comic section. We're going to be moving on to shows. Some exciting news in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender. They have announced a new show, which will take place sometime after Korra, after Korra has died. So we're going to be following a new avatar, and with the cycle, this is going to be the Earth Avatar. I am super happy because I have absolutely no idea what the Earth Avatar will be. Korra, for what it's worth, kind of reminds me of Toph, so will they go with the, I don't know, maybe the upfront person or maybe someone a little less shy, laid back? Because we definitely want someone with a new personality and a bunch of stuff. And I'm curious to see what maybe um, style they'll have trouble with. Because with Korra, it was air. For Aang, it was fire. So, again, I'm very curious to see which one they'll have trouble with. Anyway, not else was really released besides the new Avatar will be an Earthbender. Apparently, this will take place maybe sixties, 70 years later. I'm very curious to see what the... um timeline will be for like or at least the technology because in Korra we were looking at what the 1920s 30s so 70 years later i mean we could get technology like books movies um cell phones or at least the start of that which honestly does seem like it'd be cool but i kind of miss like oh yeah everyone's like horseback riding and stuff like that so who knows what the new like avatar world will look like especially with the uh, full-in technology stuff what will the avatar even do or be for with new technology and stuff like that very interesting to see and I really hope that Nickelodeon gives them a green light for multiple seasons so they can flesh out one big story because that was the problem with Korra they were only greenlit a season after a season had ended so all of the seasons felt self-contained and some of them really sucked and could have felt better with some overarching story anyway uh, moving on the 90s show trailer has been released and I gotta say it is funny I really like the chemistry between Kitty and Red that's still there I'm hoping the same chemistry with between the new kids is gonna be great and better and I'm really hoping it still has the same magic now from the trailer I can tell that all the older actors especially uh well, what's I'm gonna call it? Eric and Don are coming back. I'm super happy. The only person that's not coming back is Hyde for obvious reasons. And you know what? The scenes they showed in the trailer were pretty funny. So I'm excited to see how this all goes, especially with the series coming out next week. So once I see it, I'll tell you guys what I think. Anyway, uh, the Bad Batch is back, and I gotta say it's really funny. I've seen the first two episodes. It was really cool to see what happened with Dooku's planet. After he basically was killed and the Separatists disbanded. It was very interesting to see the War Chest uh, meeting one of Dooku's, I want to say, not uh, one of Dooku's people. Underlings learning that before Dooku took over and were called the Separatists, they had a previous name. I felt bad for the captain who got killed because apparently that Imperial officer didn't want Tarkin to learn that... uh, He failed and the Bad Batch was still alive. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how all that plays. And I'm curious to see what comes next. I really am. Anyway, that's it for TV shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. So, this will be a non-spoiler on Avatar. So, don't worry. If you haven't watched the movie yet, it's a non-spoiler. And I gotta say, The Way of Water was spectacular. The graphics, the CGI... I saw it in IMAX 3D, and I've never seen a more beautiful movie. And it just left me in awe. And it just made me feel like I was watching something new. Now, I will admit it did drag in some parts, but for the most part, it did not feel like a three-hour movie. It really didn't, and just seeing a new world, that's, that's what honestly I loved about this new avatar. It basically was showing me a new world, and with the IMAX and the graphics, it was just, it felt real. It really did. So, kudos to James Gunn. From what I've seen, it's already at $1.5 billion at the box office and we know the third film is coming out in 2024. Can't wait for it and we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, moving on, a new Evil Dead movie trailer has been released. (laughs) Ooh, It looks like it's going to be fun and wow this trailer made my heart skip a beat with how terrifying it is. Now this is going to be the fifth film in the franchise but it's going to be a standalone film and I'm super excited for this franchise to have a fresh breath of air especially after the TV show uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are producing this movie. And it's just looking really incredible. Oh, there's the scene with the cheese grinder on the leg. Oh, wow. This is, ooh, this is gonna make my cringe in a good way happen. Anyway, moving on, a new trailer has been released with Nick, Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage. Yes, a Nick and Nick movie. (laughs) Who uh, has Nicholas Holt playing R.M. Renfield, who, if you're familiar with Count Dracula, is a familiar and a lackey from the original novel. Now, this revolves around him wanting to get away from his boss and do his own thing. And you know what? It's actually an interesting concept because not really has films really presented R.M. Renfield as someone interesting. It's always a lackey who gets killed and all that stuff in all the books and media. And it's pretty interesting how they're turning this into like an action comedy type thing. And I'm very curious to see how it goes. And Nicolas Cage playing uh, Dracula seems like it's going to be really funny. I'm actually going to see it and see how it goes. Anyway, uh, one movie trailer I was super surprised to see about was the announcement of the Gran Turismo movie. Now, it should be coming out this year. And one thing I recognized, the two actors I recognized was David Harbour and Orlando Bloom. And I thought this film would revolve around maybe... An in-game universe character where you're spending an hour just trying to get your license. (laughs) For all of you who don't get that joke, play a Gran Turismo game and find out what you do for the first hour. Anyway, apparently this film is going to revolve around a real-life situation with Jan Martinborough. Who competed in the GT Academy competition and won uh, the opportunity to drive for Nissan at the Dubai 24-hour race. And it's actually pretty cool to show how this game affected people in real life. And again, it's not going to be taking place in an in-game universe. It's going to be taking and revolving around the game. It's supposed to be a drama. And I'm curious to see how this actually goes. And the one thing I'm actually happy about, it's showing us a bit, a bit of actual gaming history that m- many people might not have known of. I didn't know about it until recently, until reading up on it. So who knows, maybe everything will go fantastic. Anyway, uh, moving on to video games. One thing that I thought would never happen in a million years, (laughs) in a million years, is that Payday 3 trailer is now official. Yes, they have announced Payday 3 with an official trailer and official release date before GTA 6. I just wow and my bingo cards for 2023 this was not in it at all I mean heck they kept quiet during the game awards you would think they would drop a hint or something but no they dropped it like the week like the week of the new year's so it looks like game of the year awards for 2023 is going to be interesting especially with a huge contender coming into way and I remember playing Payday 2, maybe not like religiously, but a couple games here and there, and it was actually pretty good. So who knows? Maybe this will be great. Maybe this won't. Maybe we will be confuddled Who knows? Anyway, uh, it's interesting to think that after all these years, this franchise still has a breath of life. I'm very curious to see how long this game will go on for, because Payday 2 went on for a l- quite a little bit too. And maybe uh, this will give GTA company a, hey, maybe we should throw some bones to the fans and give news to GTA 6. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Anyway, a new game uh, called Ellipse is coming out this year. And it looks like a mixture of Ori and the Hollow Knight. And I gotta say, the game mechanics look similar. And if the story and gameplay are anything to base around the game, it looks like it could be fun. Who knows? I could be wrong. But i'm very curious to see where it goes anyway moving on apparently stalker 2 is still happening and with the new gameplay trailer that was released it looks like it's interesting now it has been a long long time since a new entry in the stalker series has happened and with everything going on with ukraine you'd figure that this would be the last thing in the world they would make but You know what? I'm excited to see what the game is going to do, how it's going to happen, and all that stuff. Anyway, a new trailer for the game that has been... I don't want to say, like... how, How do I put this? Basically, they've been releasing so many different trailers for this game. So many different times, and it looks fantastic. And we actually have a release date for this game called Day Before. Now... I was just thinking about this game a couple of days ago before this new information has dropped, but I'm very curious. I was actually talking to a couple of friends. They were like, oh my god, I was just thinking about this game too. So, yes, it has a release date of March the 1st, and it's going to be a PC game first, then might move to consoles. Now, I'm very hesitant about this game, considering that this is the developers' and studios' first game like this. They haven't made anything triple a like this the graphics look fantastic so who knows maybe it'll blow us off the water maybe it'll be so fantastic that will be amazing or it will be a dud who knows um i may have to wait to play this game or just i don't know maybe if they you know what they can do release a demo just to put everyone's minds at ease i think that would be the best thing to do probably the best thing to do because with all these games coming out, I don't know if anyone wants to take the risk. Especially since March is going to have freaking uh Jedi Fallen Survivor. Ooh, it's going to be a very very hard uh game to beat. Anyway, uh that's it for video games. We're going to be moving on to nerd theories. Now, I have a theory that may or may not be good or bad. So anyway, PlayStation I feel like many studios, movie studios, game studios are going to look to PlayStation to determine the avenue on which they will be investing in video game movies or TV shows. Why? Because PlayStation has two completed projects releasing this year, which of course... Is the Last of Us TV show and the Gran Turismo movie. And you know what? It was kind of unheard of for a studio to be producing multiple video game movie TV projects because of how unsuccessful they have been. Whether it be in recent years or in the past. I mean, we've seen a real small uptick with success with the Sonic movies and the Pokemon, Detective Pikachu movie, and... Honestly, with the Nintendo now producing a Mario movie, it's very interesting to see how this dynamic may go. Because before it was all about superhero movies, we might be beginning to see the era of video game movies. And one thing that is kind of interesting to see is they can look at past video game movie projects that were terrible and learn a lesson from it. Like Doom, Prince of Persia, Warcraft, Silent Hill... And especially the most famous ones that kind of stunk, Monster, Hunter, and Hitman. So if Sony is successful with both projects, and are successful with their other two projects they have in the works, Horizon Zero Dawn TV show, and God of War TV show, you know what, we might, like I said, we might see a new era of video game movie projects coming to life. I know a lot of people were very disappointed with the Halo TV series, With Microsoft just waiting years to release something and with a lot of fans pointed on what they released. So again, maybe PlayStation will do things right and bring in a new era. Because they have a lot of IP that they can use and be successful with. Anyway, that's it for Nerd Theories. We're going to be moving on to current events. So Hasbro is recently looking like turning into EA. Especially with their new supposed plan to redo their open gaming license and basically what it is is it will make people who have built something upon previous iterations of Dungeons and Dragons pay royalties for any projects that make a significant amount of money such projects like Pathfinder and many more. And if they make a uh, maybe it, if they make a, quite a few money, not as much as they would have to pay royalties, they would have to report their profits. Profits. This sucks because a lot of people were very happy with the open form of the open gaming license that D and D had before, which allowed third-party users to use their formula to create other games. Now with OGL one point one. This would force many creators to adopt 1.1 and it would give Wizards of the Coast a right to republish any creator's work and not give the creator any royalties or credit. All because of the fact that the CEO of Hasbro owns Dungeons and Dragons and has said that it's being under modernized. And many have already begun filing litigations to see if they can fight this. And I even question whether or not this move is even legal considering it would allow them to come after anyone in that multiple decade span that people have created new stuff. And it makes Hasbro look more and more like a greedy empire. I mean, heck, I wouldn't be surprised if they have, and ironically since they own it, a monopoly on this. Because think about it, what games, besides the ones on Kickstarter, has not have the Hasbro logo on them? I mean, sure, maybe games like, um, oh god, what's that game? I just had it in the top of my head. Cards Against Humanity. That's what it was. Cards Against Humanity. I mean, some of these places don't even, like, own by Hasbro. And like I said, a lot of them have been Kickstarters. So, we'll see if this will create a monopoly and maybe the government will step in. Who knows? Anyway, uh, that's it for that. Moving on. James Cameron. James Cameron has talked about how the next movie will introduce a new Navi of Pandora, the fire Navi. And apparently these guys will be evil. And (laughs) if this sounds... Okay, we got the forest, we got the water, and now we got the fire. Please, if anyone in the back can tell me why this sounds familiar, it's because of the fact that, I don't know, The Last Airbender did this? Oh, everything was fine until the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> I I'm listen, as much as I loved um uh Way of Water, this is gonna be very interesting to see. I'm curious to see how much of the Fire Nation will be implemented. <laughs> I'm curious to see what they have in common with the humans, or they'll just be a third faction entirely that's against both. Like I said, it's kind of interesting to see the Fire Na'vi be evil and all that stuff. Heck, I would have loved to see Water be evil this time. Well, I mean, that's basically, I guess, Fire Bad. Anyway, uh, that's it for current events. And, yep, that's it for the first episode of the year. I am very curious to see where this year will take us. Uh, We'll be taking a small break in March... And another one, actually quite a few small breaks in March. But anyway, this year I'll be going to Alaska and will actually be going to Megacon in Orlando. And I'll be making sure to write plenty of episodes about that. And if you want up to date on the Megacon in Orlando, please follow my TikTok on Johnny Fuent. Anyway, it's been a great episode. I'll see you guys next week. Sayonara. See you later. And you guys have a blessed day. Goodbye.